that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. A global flood once covered the continents, destroying almost all life, according to the book of Genesis. Like the biblical flood account, Native Americans also speak of times in recent history when devastating floods carved gaping chasms and enormous waves swept over the land. As the waters of the world dried and flowed away, the face of the earth cracked and was worn full of deep canyons. The Havasupai people speak of floodwaters sculpting deep canyons, even their own canyon, the Grand Canyon. Geologists tell a far different story. They say the Grand Canyon was carved by a small river and vast ages, long before humans walked on Earth. But today, some geologists are wondering if there may be truth in the ancient flood accounts. Yellowstone National Park, with its steaming cauldrons, bubbling mud pots and exploding geysers, is a reminder that beneath the surface the earth is an untamed giant, unpredictable and seething with powerful anger. Dr. Stephen Austin heads the geology department at the Institute for Creation Research in San Diego. Leading a tour at Yellowstone, he challenges conventional geologists with a new theory of canyon formation. How are canyons eroded? Do streams erode their canyons slowly, one sand grain at a time over millions of years? Or do rapid catastrophic flood flows erode canyons? Time is not the hero of the plot, it's the villain of the plot when it comes to thinking about canyons because the geologic evidence, to me, suggests that canyons form rapidly. A massive canyon at Yellowstone slices through solid rock. Most geologists believe that over millions of years, time and a trickle of water chiseled this monumental sculpture. Stephen Austin disagrees. Here at the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, did the Yellowstone River incise this very V-shaped canyon 20 miles long, 1,000 feet deep, over a period of half a million years? There are a number of geologic evidences that are appearing that indicate that under certain conditions, canyons, even canyons in solid rock, can be eroded very rapidly. Could there have been a rupture of a dam right here in Yellowstone that drained through this area to uh, form the Little Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone River? And could there be giant uh, lakes behind Grand Canyon in Arizona that breached to form Grand Canyon of the Colorado River? Many geologists are starting to think in terms of catastrophic and rapid erosion of canyons. The Grand Canyon, one of the seven wonders of the world. It's visited by millions of tourists every year 
How was the world's greatest canyon formed? I think the Grand Canyon was formed by drainage of lakes to the east of Grand Canyon, a whole series of lakes had maybe 3,000 cubic miles of water. These lakes failed through the Colorado Plateau at a place called the Kaibab Upwarp, which later became Grand Canyon. And the channelization of the, and the drainage of these waters created Grand Canyon. Watch your step. You get slippery. That's it. Keep going, Rachel. That's it. Have a look at those fragments that you're pulling out, Pete. Another geologist oh, yes, who believes the Grand Canyon excellent. was formed catastrophically is Dr. Andrew Snelling with the Creation Science Foundation in Brisbane, Australia. It's not uh, unreasonable to argue that the, the Grand Canyon itself could have well have been carved out by a lot of water in a little bit of time. That the trickle of water down the bottom in the, at, at the Colorado River Actually, if you stop to think about it, it really is only a trickle compared to the vast scale of the canyon itself. It almost cries out a lot more water in the past has been responsible for such a massive amount of erosion. The Grand Canyon is an impressive gorge, up to 18 miles wide and stretching for more than 200 miles. One careless slip here, and you could fall for a mile. Consultant geologist Robert Scarborough has also found evidence that the canyon was carved by drainage of ancient lakes. What one would have seen the day that it happened would have been that the dam would have held water behind it over off to the east side that there would have been some sort of massive collapse of blocks of limestone uh, into whatever kind of a channel was there, widening the channel very, very rapidly, very possibly within a period of days, if not hours. There would be a, a huge uh, flow which tends to shake the rocks, tends to cavitate the rocks, rocks break away. This flow of water would have flooded down in the region below me and on down the canyon. At Glen Canyon, a dramatic display of the destructive power of flood water was seen in 1983. With heavy floods caused by melting snow, the spillways were opened to relieve pressure on the dam. But the tremendous force of the overflow broke through the spillway lining, blasting through three feet of steel-reinforced concrete and leaving an enormous cavity 32 feet deep. A flood of water hurtling at high speed is a formidable force. Some geologists think the Grand Canyon was carved by a similar process of cavitation, as torrents of water pounded solid rock into dust. If it was really catastrophic, and that is possible, uh, the water could have exceeded hundreds of feet, if not a thousand feet in depth. And at, with those kinds of flows, boulders uh, the size of Greyhound buses would be rolling down the Grand Canyon. And that erodes the canyon out very, very rapidly. Most geologists believe the Grand Canyon was two billion years in the making. But Native American memories of powerful floods cutting through the canyon suggest it may have been formed very recently. 
Geologists used to think that canyons were formed by gradual erosion, but the eruption of Mount St. Helens shattered that illusion. In Washington State, Mount Rainier delights tourists with its tranquil beauty. Its neighbor, Mount St. Helens, was another haven for tourists until it erupted in 1980, hurtling a plume of ash 12 miles into the sky and leveling trees for miles around. Violent mud flows ripped the sides of the volcano and carved out deep canyons as geologists watched in amazement. After the eruption of uh, 1980 and the subsequent uh, activity, up to 600 feet of strata were deposited. That's uh, volcanic ash strata. Then in one day, a mud flow generated by subsequent volcanic activity carved into those sediments a canyon system 1 40th the scale of the Grand Canyon. Now cliffs 100 feet high. Uh, and the little stream that's down there today is a remnant of that, the major catastrophic mud flow that, that carved out that canyon system. We have tremendous evidence at Mount St. Helens to indicate that some of these things that we see geologically are really not millions and billions of years old. There at Mount St. Helens, we have a canyon about 600 feet wide and 150 feet deep, and there's a river going down the canyon. Now, you'd assume that that river cut that canyon, perhaps requiring a few million years. However, that canyon was cut in a matter of hours by a huge mudslide. Just as canyons at Mount St. Helens formed quickly, could the Grand Canyon also have been carved rapidly? Evidence suggests ancient lakes stretched across Arizona and Utah into Colorado and New Mexico, covering more than 30,000 square miles, three times the size of Lake Michigan. As the lakes drained through the Grand Canyon, they may have carved out Flaming Gorge in Utah, cutting through Arches National Monument, as well as Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park. There is evidence that there were former lakes there, particularly uh, in the area of the Little Colorado River. There's a, a, a rock unit there that has uh, freshwater fossils in it, fresh, freshwater fish, and it has a, a restricted area of uh, outcrop that indicates that you once had a lake there, a large lake. And this, this is actually being called by the uh, geologists who've studied the area Hopi Lake, after the Hopi Indians. And it's quite clear that that lake drained in the past down through the Little Colorado River drainage basin. And that fits exactly the picture that we're talking about. Astrogeologist Dr. Eugene Shoemaker has also found evidence of Hopi Lake, but he believes the lake drained gradually through the Grand Canyon millions of years ago. The evidence that there was a lake called Hopi Lake in northeastern Arizona consists of a sequence of about 300 feet of lake beds that are deposited in this region in the, in the southern Hopi Buttes and extending off uh, 
uh, toward the upper part of the Little Colorado River drainage basin. Uh, we can actually trace the oscillation of the shoreline through this region uh, through time as the lake was there. Uh, now, there was a later episode of dramatic downcutting of the Grand Canyon, but we know that that occurred after the filling of Hopi Lake. Searching for evidence of Hopi Lake at White Cone in northeastern Arizona, Robert Scarborough discovered sedimentary rock and fossils found only in lake beds. A lake was here of some large extent. The lake beds contain a few fish fossils. There are a series of amphibians. Some beavers were found. White Cone consists of about 150 feet of the highest portion of the lake beds. Uh, as well, it is known that a few hundred feet underground, there are still lake beds. So there's a total thickness here of several hundred feet of, uh, of lake beds. The dam of the Little Colorado River was breached and the lake suddenly drained. The water drained out. The dam was here. If the breach occurred at this spot here, here's downstream in the, in the Grand Canyon. And so here's the course of the Colorado River through the canyon. Besides Hopi Lake, it's believed that two other large lakes existed further north, Canyonlands Lake and Vernal Lake. Using satellite images, Dr. Edmund Holroyd has mapped the possible location of these lakes. The Canyonlands Lake is uh, essentially uh, this area right here, with uh, Vernal Lake and Hopi Lake being uh, appendages. For uh, this area here, I started off uh, seeing uh, possible evidences in terms of uh, cliffs. Uh, other lines of evidence that I've looked at are the deposits of uh, sediments that uh, seem to be uh, coming around the edges of this lake. And that would be what you would expect if there was a lake there that you would get initially uh, rim deposits, uh, small little tiny deltas coming off each of the streams. Rapid drainage of ancient lakes would have caused mudslides and erosion of soft sediment may have chiseled many of the spectacular stone sculptures in the region. Geologists know that rapid drainage of lakes can carve impressive monuments because it has happened before. We've seen evidence in the channeled scablands of eastern Washington of massive flood flows from drainage of lakes. 380 cubic miles of water drained catastrophically uh, from a lake in Montana over eastern Washington state, leaving a, a 32,000 square mile area at Scablands. Even the Grand Coulee, an immense trench 50 miles long, two or three miles wide, up to 1,000 feet deep, eroded through solid rock. Dry Falls is 350 feet high and five times wider than Niagara Falls. It was once the site of a spectacular waterfall. Now it's a reminder of the immensity of the flood water that carved this gorge. Imagine the force of the Grand Coulee flood. Underwater tornadoes scoured hard bedrock and ripped up huge boulders as torrents of water rushed towards the sea at 100 miles an hour. You've got uh, basalts, really hard rock, and yet into that rock you've got to carve the Grand Coulee, for example. This is a, a, deep, a deep straight canyon, a huge, uh, 
huge canyon. And normally people would think hard rock, oh, water slowly trickling over it. There was a controversy for, for over 50 years about the origin of that, uh, that feature. And uh, one particular man, Harlan Bretz, proposed a catastrophic model. And uh, everyone said, oh, no, he couldn't be right. But eventually he won the argument. Geologists called his flood theory incompetent and preposterous. But the turning point came for Bretz when the cause of the flood was discovered. And that was this, simply that further up you had dammed up glacial meltwaters. Uh, and what happened is that they had been dammed up, such a volume had been built up behind all the, the debris from the end of the glacier, and to the point where it broke through and a huge flood, catastrophic flood, a lot of water, a little bit of time, was actually responsible for carving out that, that hard basalt rock to give the Grand Coulee. We need to keep in mind when we're talking about a lot of water in a little bit of time, we're not just talking about pure water, we're talking about it carrying sand and boulders. And in the case of the Grand Coulee, well, you'd also have blocks of ice and the boulders from the glacial till. Uh, the same would apply in the Grand Canyon with, with uh, water carrying lots of sand and other rubble. And that in itself adds to the corrosive power of that vast volume of water. Deep in the Grand Canyon, the Colorado River winds like a blue-green thread. Did this small river carve the canyon? The mystery of the missing sediment is another clue. If the Grand Canyon had been gradually eroded by the Colorado River over vast ages, at least a thousand cubic miles of sediment should have accumulated near the river mouth. But it's not there. Where did it go? You go down to the mouth of the present Colorado River, it's not there. The only place where it might be is actually behind San Diego, in the desert behind San Diego, where there are up to 17,000 feet of sediments that have a composition very similar to the rock from the Grand Canyon. When you plot that on a map, it makes good sense that the water came rushing across that plateau, carved out the Grand Canyon with all that sediment, uh, headed towards the Pacific Ocean, but lost its, its erosive power, dumped the material, which then became a, 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 a pile of, of uh, sediments that impeded the further flow of the water. So it turned and headed south down to the present uh, delta area into the uh, Gulf of California. The vast mounds of clay silt are curious because silt is light sediment, the last to be deposited in a flood. Fifteen years ago, the U.S. Department of Energy drilled a deep hole exploring for geothermal potential. Uh, they went down 18,000 feet uh, and were still at the bottom, according to the fossil evidence, in beds of Pliocene age, which are very, very similar to the age of all the materials that would have been disgouged from the Grand Canyon during any kind of a catastrophic event. Geologists disagree on the time scale, but increasingly they agree that the Grand Canyon may have been carved catastrophically. Geologists at the Institute for Creation Research challenge conventional theories of slow, gradual change with evidence that the Earth is scarred by recent catastrophic upheaval.
The president of ICR, Dr. John Morris, believes the key to the Grand Canyon is in understanding the flood. We've got a model, the flood model, the, the idea that Noah's flood sculptured the, the surface of the earth, and when we put it in that model, everything we find is compatible, it fits, it supports the model. We find that the surface of this planet was restructured by an incredibly catastrophic process. It was operating on a global scale. The flood is responsible for much of the sedimentary rock record that we see. But then after the flood, it seems to me that the world would still have for hundreds of years been in a state of turmoil. That flood would have, it would have changed things. It would have taken a long time for it to settle back down. And uh, there'd be a lot of volcanoes, a lot of uh, earthquakes. Just the earth was a mess. But you see the point. There was a time in the past when these processes were operating at rates and scales and intensities far beyond the kinds of things that we see today. Most geologists agree that the Grand Canyon is millions of years old, but creationist geologists say no. They claim that estimates of the Earth's age are wrong because they don't take into account the effects of one earth-shattering event, a recent global flood. The question now becomes where the carving out of the Grand Canyon fits into the overall uh, Earth history picture when you look at the strata which make up the Grand Canyon, uh, walls of the Grand Canyon, the plateau country, these, uh, these rock units were once on the ocean floor. They're now pushed up over a mile above sea level. Now, that means that this had to have been an uplift of new continental land masses after the flood or at the end of the flood. That plateau country being pushed up would trap leftover waters from the flood in the up, up uh, river area, what is the up river now, upper reaches of the Colorado River. Continued rainfall after the flood would build that up to the point where eventually it bursts through that plateau country. So it fits into a picture of a few hundred years after the, this global flood. Was the Grand Canyon carved by a trickle of water or a raging torrent? The breach dam theory not only challenges conventional models of canyon formation, but also questions the assumption that the canyon is millions of years old. There's nothing to Grand Canyon that would demand a vast age for the Earth. You see, the question is, would the Grand Canyon form by a little bit of water over a vast stretch of time, or by a lot of water in a very short time? We believe that there were vast bodies of water that had been dammed up by debris. Uh, following the flood, and the natural dam broke, released those vast bodies of water which came down through there and cut that canyon very quickly, uh, just as the canyon at Mount St. Helens was cut it very quickly. And uh, so the canyon does not speak of millions and billions of years, but could have formed very rapidly, and we think that is a much more reasonable explanation. Like many other flood traditions from across the world, Hopi legends recall a time when continents shattered under the pounding of cataclysmic torrents. Then Sutanyang loosed the waters on the earth. Waves higher than mountains rolled across the land. Continents broke apart and sank beneath the seas, and still the rains fell and the waves rolled in. Could the Native American stories of devastating floods be living memories of events in recent history?
The silent rocks provide compelling evidence that catastrophic drainage of ancient lakes may have carved the Grand Canyon and sculpted the wonderland of stone that delights tourists and puzzles geologists.